Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis 2, 4 through 9. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land was watery, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is God's word. The angel offered her a choice. It was either or, this or that. And her destiny, and the destiny of the entire human race with her, hung in the balance of her decision. She could either receive or she could take. She could trust, or she could fight. She could be a creature, or she could try and transcend her limits, become like God. The angel that offered the choice was Satan. The woman was Eve. And we know the choice that she made if we know the biblical story. A couple of weeks ago, we began a series looking at what it means for us to be made as human beings in the image of God. Last time, we looked at the fact that Christ Jesus is the image of God, and that God made us from the dust of the ground in the glorious image of his Son. We are made from the dust for glory. And, and it's easy for us to slip to either side of that equation. Either we're all dusts, worthless, good for nothing, or we're all glory, proud, thinking too much of ourselves. Today, as we look a little bit at Genesis chapter 2, I want to home in home in on the way in which our creation is described in that chapter. That we are formed, verse 7 says, from the dust of the earth. We're formed from the dust of the ground or the dust of the earth. The fact that we are made from dust reminds us of quite possibly the, the most important fact about us reminds us of the fact that we are made. We're created beings. We are creatures of the God who made heaven and earth. The trouble with us is not that we're made. The trouble with us is that we hate being creatures. Because being created means that we're constrained by, by someone or something other than ourselves. Being, being created means that there are 
are choices that have been made for us that we didn't give our assent to. Others have made choices for us that are beyond our control, but, but choices that still set the parameters of, of what it means to be us. I mean, I didn't choose my name. I didn't choose my, my parents or my social status. I didn't choose my early education as a child. I didn't choose my race or my gender. Being a creature means being limited. And we hate limits, quite frankly. In the end, we hate being creatures. Now, our hatred of being created, of, of our createdness, takes all kinds of shapes and sizes. When I was in elementary school, I can remember very clearly telling a friend of mine on the playground that anything below a 95% wasn't really an A. In fact, anything below a 95% is a failing grade. <laughs> I was always a very easygoing and pleasant child to be around. <laughs> no, I was competitive. I was competitive and I always wanted to achieve at the highest level and grades gave a very clear representation of what level you were at. And I grabbed onto grades early on and measured myself and others on those things. Now, th this summer, uh, I began a, a new degree program and, and I took a class on a, on a topic about which I knew almost nothing going in. It was a brand new subject, it was a graduate level class, and, and nearly the whole grade for the class was based on one research paper. And I got my grade back this week, and it was an A minus. <laughs> and when I told my wife, Kathy, she said, great job, honey. When I told my son, Jonas, he said, good job, dad. When I told my daughter, Penny, she had the right answer. Her response to me when I told her that I got an A minus was, what did you do wrong? You see, I want perfection. I want perfection because I hate being a creature. I am crushingly hard on myself. I'm, I'm always pushing, striving, trying to do more because in the end, I hate being limited. I hate being finite. I hate being anything but perfect. I want to be perfect because in the end, I want to be God. I want to be perfect because I hate being a creature. What is it for you? Maybe you're not a crazy perfectionist like me. But, but maybe for you, maybe it's security. Maybe security is the thing that, that bothers you about being a creature. You want certainty about the future, but you don't know what's going to come. You, you hate change of any kind. You, you feel like you need to have a lot of extra money in the bank, in your savings account, just in case that rainy day comes. 
or, or maybe for you it's not security, maybe, maybe it's pleasure. Pleasure is what you use to forget that you are a creature. It means that your food has to be just so, boredom must be banished, lust must be satisfied. Or, or maybe, maybe for you it's, it's freedom. Maybe that's what you want above all other things, that nobody gets to limit you, that, that, that there is no commitment that's worth losing your self-determination over. If there's no outside standard that can tell you what you should do. And now here we all are in our current circumstances. We're all isolated in the midst of a pandemic, having church online because we can't meet in person. We're torn apart in our country by political divisions and injustice. And, and now, on top of all that, we're stuck indoors because California is in the midst of an unprecedented fire season. We can't help but feel our powerlessness. I mean, if you don't wear a mask, you might get sick. If you get sick, it could go really badly for you. If you just go outside and breathe the air, your, your lungs could, could be damaged. If you say the wrong thing to the wrong person, to your friends or family, you could hurt people that, that mean a lot to you. If we've never felt our limits before, we're sure feeling them right now, aren't we? if we've never hated being creatures before, if we've been maybe content with our situation in the past, we might be tempted to hate it, especially now. If there ever were a time to recognize that we are made from the dust and to dust we shall return, now is it. But you know, the first thing that we as Christians confess, the first thing that Christians believe comes from the first line of the Bible. Genesis 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before God created the world, there was nothing in the world. There was, there was no world for there to be anything in. There was nothing but God. And we have no existence without God's free choice to create all things from nothing. We'd have no ability to hate being creatures if, at all if God hadn't, in his good pleasure, chosen to make us from the dust of the earth. Ever since our first parents, Adam and Eve, tried to transcend their limits in the Garden of Eden, all of us have hated being created. And I'm just as guilty of this as anybody. It just maybe looks a little bit cleaner and neater and more respectable because I'm a perfectionist. But, but the truth is that denial of our creatureliness in, in any way, it doesn't matter what way you pursue it, denial of our creatureliness distances us from God and from ourselves. Our limitations as creatures is, is the first fact of our existence. 
And if you build a house on, on a crooked foundation, then, then the whole house ends up leaning to the side and eventually is going to fall over. Our failure to submit to the reality that we are created by God distances us from God. That, that failure is, is tantamount to self-exile from, from love and life himself. We, the human race, have built our entire existence on a crooked foundation and we've fallen over. It's the first sin that Adam and Eve committed. It's the sin that we haven't fully recovered from. It's perhaps the sin from which we all need to be redeemed. Many years after Adam and Eve, another woman was visited by an angel. She too was offered a choice, and, and her destiny and the destiny of the entire human race hung in the balance. She could receive or refuse. She could trust or fight. She could be a creature. Or she could run from the God who made her like her first mother had done so long before. But Mary made a different choice than Eve did. She willingly submitted herself, body and soul, willingly submitted herself to her creator, placed herself in God's hands, and allowed her entire life to be thrown in total disarray and utter upheaval as a result. Mary submitted herself to God in faith that her maker is good and that he would make something beautiful out of her life. And because she did so, God the Father sent his spirit upon Mary to form in her womb the body of a child who would become the savior of the world. Mary admitted that she was a creature, that she was made from the dust of the earth. And she let her creator remake her broken, her brokenness as a woman, remake her into the mother of God. And through the miraculous mystery of the virgin birth, we see Christ himself, the Son of God, taking on our flesh, taking on our bodily nature, the Son of God himself, the one through whom all things were created. He took on our humanity so that he too, though God himself, could be said to be of the dust of the earth. The incredible mystery of the incarnation of Christ taking on flesh and dwelling among us is that Christ submitted himself to the earth, to the dust of the earth, so that he could lift us up into heaven. Scripture teaches that Christ is the second Adam. Adam was formed from the dust of the earth, and because he was born of the Virgin Mary, we know that Christ was taken from that same dust. He's, his body is just like ours. Adam was taken from the virgin earth. 
Christ taken from the virgin birth. We hate being creatures, but Christ didn't despise the limits that being made from the dust of the earth would impose upon him. He willingly submitted himself to our creatureliness so that he could liberate us, body and soul. The incarnation was the beginning of our redemption and the full restoration of God's image in us. St. Paul teaches that in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 47-49. He says there, But the first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As, as was the man of dust, so also are, are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Christ Jesus has opened the way for us to fully embrace what it means to be made by God. He showed that, that an essential part of being human is to submit ourselves to the limits of being creatures. We, we hate our limits. We hate the, the aches and pains that come with, with our, our nature. We hate the imperfections. We hate the insecurity. We, we hate the constraints. We hate that our, our bodies are subject to diseases like coronavirus. We hate the death that comes from being finite broken people. But Christ went through all of these things and far worse for our sake. Christ died so that he could give us life. Christ, the, the King of kings and Lord of lords, submitted himself to our creatureliness. He submitted himself to the earth so that he could lift us up to heaven. Now, if you read the, the biblical accounts of Jesus' life, then you know that throughout his life, Jesus was praying all of the time. All the time. He went off to pray. He went up on a mountain to pray. He went into the garden to pray. He went out on a boat to pray. He was praying constantly. But have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered if before he came to earth, if, if the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, if he prayed to the Father? I mean, did he have to pray like you and I pray? Couldn't he just speak to the Father face to face in full unmediated fellowship? See, I think one important thing about Christ's life that you and I learn is, as, as human beings who are being redeemed by him is that prayer is how creatures communicate with God. It's how we communicate with our creator. And though Christ is uncreated in his divinity, he took on our flesh. He became dust like us. And so he had to pray like us. 
And I think prayer is the posture of those who are submitted to their creatureliness. Prayer is the posture of those who are submitted to their limits. I, I mean, would you like, would you like to believe that, that God is your creator and that he is good? If you're a Christian, do you believe that? And would you like to live as if you believed it? Would you like to live in line with the truth, the first truth that we as Christians confess that God is creator of heaven and earth? Would you like to live in line with the reality that we are God's limited, finite, imperfect, broken creatures, desperately in need of his grace, and yet that he so loved us that he came to us in Christ and now lifts us up to heaven? Would you, would you submit yourself to the limits of being a creature? Would you submit to being molded by the hands of the Father, conformed to the image of Christ Jesus, being reshaped by the power of God's own Spirit? If you would want those things for yourself, then pray pray. In prayer, we admit that we are not God. In prayer, in prayer, we embrace the fact that we are creatures. In prayer, in prayer, we, 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 we are lifted up by Christ into heaven itself and have the right as children of the Father in Jesus. We have the right now to speak into the throne room of the universe. You are made from the dust of the earth. So am I. But in Christ our Redeemer, we have the privilege to speak to Almighty God, Creator of all things. Prayer both leads us to submission to our creatureliness and it lifts us up at the same time to communion with the divine. So no matter where you are today, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you believe, God is not done with you. He is even now working in your life, shaping you through a thousand things, through circumstances, desires, sorrows, and joys. I mean, look around you. God is trying to get our attention right now. From, from coronavirus to, to a divided nation, from an unprecedented fire season to record-breaking heat waves. God is trying to get our attention. You may not see his hand in all of these terrible things that we're going through, but he's there. He's in it. And he's calling out. He's calling out to you through every smoke-filled breath. He's calling out even through every tragic death. He's calling out that he is the creator, 
that we are his creatures. That he is infinite. And that we have limits that we cannot transcend. Friends, before you shake your fist at God for letting you suffer through this season, remember Christ. Remember the fact that that God is not indifferent to our suffering. Remember that, that not only is he not indifferent, but that God himself entered into our suffering. That, that God himself accepted our limitations. That God endured death. That he became a man of dust. So that he could lift us, women and men. Lift us up to heaven and make heaven our home. Will you pray with me? Father, we praise you for the grace you've poured out upon us in Christ Jesus, your Son. And Father, I confess to you that this, this last six months have been so difficult that I've had a complaining heart, that I have have been frustrated by my own limitations as a creature. Father, forgive me. Forgive us. And teach us to accept who we are, who you've made us to be, that we are creatures made from the dust of the earth, that we are limited, that we are finite, that we are imperfect, and that all of that is good. You've made us to be that that we can receive our existence, receive our limits as a gift from our Creator. Father, would you help us to recognize that? And then would you turn our eyes to Jesus and let us see what you've done for us, not, not to set us free from limitations, but to set us free from sin, to set us free from death. And that one day, we will find our home with you in the heavenly places. And would you teach us, God, to take our rightful place there even now, to come to you in prayer, to open our hands, to receive good and ill from you, and to go to our Father, knowing that you always hear us when we call through Christ by the power of your Spirit. We pray all of these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.